This is Dr. Michael Wald. Thank you so much for joining me today on Ask the Blood Detective. Uh, the regular listeners know that Blood Detective is a nickname that I've been using for the last several years, which was awarded to me in a sense by a grateful patient. So it just stuck. I had a little kid in the office a couple of days ago, and he actually asked me if I were a real detective, and sadly I had to tell him I was not. He looked extremely disappointed. <laughs> well, having said that, the, the goal of all of Ask the Blood Detective shows, in my mind, is so that each and every one of you can become your own personal blood detective, thinking critically about your healthcare choices, doing some research, or at least knowing who to talk to who knows what they know that's reliable. Every one of my shows, and I've said this before in other shows, is really a mini master's course in the topic. Now, today's topic is immunity now, because given the season, given the fact that it's winter, we all know common sense tells us we need to modify our immunity. We need to boost certain aspects of our immunity. Now, I have another show that I had done several weeks ago called Everything Immune. And for those of you who really want to understand about how our, our immune systems work, you need to listen to that show. We have three distinct arms of the immune system. I'm just going to briefly mention them now. One is known as the cell-mediated immune system, which simply means that the cells in the body, the white blood cells, mediate the immune response, so cell-mediated immunity. For example, we have lymphocytes, which are antiviral cells. We have neutrophils, which are antibacterial cells. We have eosinophils, which are antiparasitic cells. I think you, you get the point. Cell-mediated immunity produces those white blood cells responding to the introduction of any type of infectious agent. And then the other arm, the second arm of the immune system is known as the humoral immune system. And the humoral immune system basically produces various chemicals. Although it talks to the cell-mediated immune system, it produces various chemicals uh, known as leukotrienes and some others that modify the immune response in a very different way. And then the third and final major arm of our immune systems is known as the complement immune system. And as the name again would tell us, it must complement or balance itself and balance out and work with both the cell-mediated immune system and the humoral immune system. So when we talk today about different nutrients, some of these nutrients and herbs, foods, and lifestyle practices, they may affect one or more of the immune systems a bit differently. But it's important to keep in mind that all three arms of the immune system do essentially work together. They're not separate. And the separation that I just described in terms of calling the cell-mediated immunity one arm and the humoral immune system another arm and the complement immune system another, that's just for the purpose of conversation. And that may not seem so important on the surface, but semantics is important. If we relate to our immune system as a single system, then we tend to get overly focused on it, not understanding the relationships between every other aspect of the body. For example, one factor that could interfere with your immune system, no matter what herbs you take and how many juice 
juices you drink a day and foods that you eat is whether or not you malabsorb. If you're over 50, you probably do. Uh, certainly if you're over 60, it's just something that's concomitant with aging, more or less. So some people absorb much more poorly than others. There's genetics that are a factor that affects our nutritional needs and our ability to absorb those nutrients so that we can affect a stronger immune response. There's also many, many diseases uh, and stress, including lack of sleep or too little exercise or too much exercise and drug interactions, even food and nutrient interactions that can interfere with one another. So we take what we've been told that, that should boost our immune system, whether it's astragalus or golden seal or echinacea or, or berries or glutathione, whatever it is, vitamin C, the list goes on and on. But if you don't take the amount that's proportionate to your metabolic rate, how you burn through things, and based on your lean organ mass, then you're probably wasting your time. Now, once again, immunity now is a discussion about various lifestyle factors, supplements, and other practices that could potentially boost your immune system within hours to a few days to a few weeks. Now, depending on your health issues and the state of your immune systems, it may take a lot longer to regulate your immune response. Now, I mentioned semantics a moment ago, and I just want to make mention of something very important, and that is we hear a lot about boosting immunity. Let's boost immunity. But think about this. Autoimmune diseases like lupus, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and the list goes on and on. Cancer is a type of allergy in a sense. Sjogren's disease, scleroderma, uh, malabsorption disorders that produce antibodies against the stomach lining, uh, celiac disease. Uh, we, we can go on and on and on. These are examples of a hyperimmune system, too much of a good thing. So why would we want to boost our immunity? Well, we don't. We want to regulate our immunity. You know, the body's immune system, when there isn't some genetic quirk uh, in, a, in a relatively healthy immune system, it will increase certain aspects of the immune system to deal with foreign invaders. Those foreign invaders could be a virus, bacteria, parasite, fungi, you name it. And the immune system will increase its response to that, whether we're dealing with any of those arms of the immune system I just explained uh, a minute or so ago. Now, given that fact, patients have asked me, Dr. Wald, well, if I have an autoimmune problem, too much of, of, an, of a good thing, too much immunity, why are you giving me these nutrients that I read online or in this book or heard on a radio show that are immune boosters? Wouldn't that make me worse? Well, if that were actually a, an accurate description of how certain herbs and nutrients work, then this person was correct in their assumption. So let me explain. The correct term, because we are trying to distinguish here proper semantics and how we label things, is that these various nutrients I'll be discussing today, whether they're herbs, amino acids, vitamins, minerals, or foods, they are immune modulators, meaning if the immune reaction is hyper-responsive, like autoimmune disease, or something less than autoimmune disease, some other spectrum of immune issue, which most of us listening have experienced and will experience in our lives, we would want the immune system to be tempered and come down towards normal. If immunity is too low in any arm of the immune system, we would want to modify that immune response and increase it up. 
Another way of thinking of it is the foods we eat and the nutrients that we absorb from the foods we eat or supplements, they feed our organs. They're repairing our organs. Our organs and our immune organs specifically know what to do when they're fed right, we hope. So if you feed them right nutritionally and your immune system is too high, the body should and the immune organs should reduce immunity. If the immunity is too low, it'll increase immunity. I've even heard certain herbologists and read in other places and heard some naturopaths say that, oh, well, you want to rotate and stop for periods of time, things like echinacea, golden astragalus that I mentioned earlier, because if you, you take them too long, that they can uh, adversely affect your immune system. Well, I mean, that is true of anything. If you take anything that's supposedly good in the wrong way, it could do that. But there is no evidence whatsoever that uh, taking either those nutrients I've just mentioned or other nutrients can enhance the immune system too much. Mem remember, it modifies or mitigates the immune response. Once again, if it's too high, it comes down. If it's too low, it comes up. It's a very convenient uh, way that the, the body's innate intelligence works. Now, that's, of course, distinct from whether or not nutrients or foods can become toxic in and of themselves. That is probably a topic for another show. All right, so let's get practical. Get a pen and paper out. And if you don't have a pen and paper, it's fine. Let your right brain just take it all in and the analytical left brain deal with the details later. You might want to listen to the show later. And most of the nutrients I'll speak about have details, detailed descriptions with medical and nutritional references right on the website, which is www.blooddetective.com. And by the way, for those who uh, either want to see me or, or post a question on my blog or email, you can call at 914-242-8844. That's my office, Integrated Nutrition of Mount Kisco. That's about an hour north of uh, New York City. And you can email me at info at blooddetective.com. So the first nutrient is NAC or NAC. That is short for N. Acetylcysteine. This is one of my very, very favorite nutrients. Now, before I tell you how great it is, I just have to give you one caution. Well, probably a caution about everything I talk about in all the shows. This is the disclaimer here. I don't suggest you, you follow anything here I'm saying unless you have experience with nutrients and that you maybe run it by your physician or and someone who knows nutrition to just make sure it's appropriate for you. Now, having said this, nutrients are extremely safe for the most part compared to their medic medication counterparts. They are in a whole other category of safety and potential health benefits. Okay, so NAC, for those of you who do not know, is a major biologically active precursor, meaning it forms the amino acid cysteine. And cysteine forms, and it is the precursor for it, extremely important immune modulator in the body known as glutathione. I think almost everyone listening to the show has heard of glutathione at one time or another. And glutathione is a tripeptide and it has antioxidant properties, which is very important when we're under infectious stress and when we want to boost our immunity now. Now, the thing about NAC is that among its wonderful properties, it is a chelator which means it binds to various toxins like mercury and lead, for example, cadmium. And it, is also, it can also bind to other minerals like calcium, magnesium, uh, copper, iron, zinc, which certainly might uh, occur as counterproductive, which it is if that binding is too excessive. Now, you don't have to worry. 
if you are taking a multivitamin mineral supplement at some point during the day, at least a half an hour away from your NAC or NAC, you're fine. And even if you screw up a couple of times and take your NAC with all your other nutrients, I have not personally measured extreme depletions. It's just something that can happen if you take large doses. And those doses would be in the, in the gram ranges, the thousands of milligram ranges. For the average individual, I have found in my patients that anywhere between 500 milligrams of pure NAC and four, five, even six times higher than that is appropriate. Again, based on weight, age, absorption, a whole bunch of things. So I generally will start a patient on NAC about 30 minutes away from all their supplements and foods at 500 milligrams three times per day. If it's too inconvenient for you to do three times per day, then take two at once in the a.m. and another one later on. Now, NAC is also a mucolytic agent, super important. It breaks up the mucus that settles in the respiratory tract and the sinuses, even in the lungs in the wintertime. And that produces a nice cozy place for viruses and bacteria to overgrow. And that's how we end up with these sinus and respiratory infections that everyone is then throwing a, a Z-Pak at or some other antibiotic. Now, I'm not saying antibiotics don't have their place, but we're talking about nutrition today. Now, the thing about NAC is it breaks up the cysteine bonds in the mucus that makes it much more watery so you can blow it out. So at first, you might think you're getting worse when you take your NAC because you'll just see more stuff, but it'll be, be more fluid, and that's a very, very good sign. Now, if you take that 500 milligrams once per day away from foods and other supplements, and after a day, you're not noticing breaking up your, of your mucus. The next day, you wanna take, let me back up, I think I misspoke. You wanna take NAC at 500 milligrams once, twice, three times per day, and if after a day you don't see an improvement, double it to two 500 milligram doses of NAC three times per day. I'm going to remind you, if you just can't take the NAC away from, let's say, one of your meals during the day, don't be concerned about binding your minerals. There may be a negligible amount of binding of minerals, which doesn't allow those minerals to work in the body, but it's going to be tiny, if anything. But I need to be responsible and tell you that. If on the third day of taking NAC, you don't see the mucus coming out, then go to three 500 milligram capsules of NAC. And I like using vegetarian capsules. All my NAC is vegetarian capsules. Now, it's super important to know that NAC, in my opinion, is far better for increasing glutathione in the body than taking glutathione by mouth. And yes, for those of you that are thinking, no, no, I take a liposomal wrapped glutathione. That is a marketing scam. So I never use that. Let's move on to the next four or five important synergistic nutritional combinations or superfood powders. So I call them detox one, detox two, three, four, and five. Now, these powders have different colors, red, purple, orange, green, and the other, Detox 5, is actually a extremely bioavailable bio protein. Let me start there. So Detox 5 is a bioavailable protein. Now, the reason why we need a protein is for the following reasons when we're concerned about immune modulation. The body requires protein to remove various toxins in the body to produce 
uh, antibodies which the body creates against viruses, bacteria, fungi, whatever the infection is. It is well known in, in medicine and research that if you are deficient in proteins, you will likely develop a low immunity. It's always best to figure out one's daily intake of protein, in my opinion, based on a body composition which would tell me how you burn calories and the percentage of muscle, water, and fat on the body. I really shouldn't say muscle. It's lean body mass. That's all your organs. And uh, if you're protein deficient, organs break down and they can't mount an immune response. So I like to use an organic rice-based uh, product because that has very high quality proteins. We need proteins for energy. If you don't have the energy, you can't mount an immune response. And we have to build up that lean organ and muscle mass. Uh, now, in terms of the dose of protein, again, as I just said, that is going to vary from person to person. But if you believe that your, your diet is, is good, uh, and I have no way of knowing whether it is, I generally start my patients on about 15 grams of protein, uh, which is in two scoops of Detox 5, once or twice a day, either as a meal replacement or in between meals, and certainly starting off the day. And proteins are particularly important for detoxification of the remnants of different infections. In other words, when your body breaks down viruses, bacteria, and all that infectious stuff, it's got to eliminate that stuff. And if we don't have proteins to build up certain white blood cells that then phagocytize is the medical term or the scientific term, which means get to the area of that dead, dying debris of, of infectious agent or the live bugs, then we cannot make those little Pac-Men to get over there and eat them up and then to bring them out of the body. It doesn't matter what herbs you take, vitamins and minerals. If you're deficient in protein, that is something that you cannot replace in any other way with any other aspect of nutrition. Now, if you're over 50, there's a very high probability that you have some level of measurable malabsorption. So usually I would go to the two scoop uh, dose range of Detox 5, which will get you an additional 30 grams of high quality protein every day. Now, in addition to protein, there are synergists that, that we need to work with protein. Uh, soluble fiber is particularly important for binding of, of toxins to make sure that the intestinal tract is clean. It's the small intestine that has about 70% of our body's immune system that's right in the wall of the small intestine. We also have immunity in our liver. I bet you didn't know that one. And of course, we have immunity in our bone marrow. So we've got to feed all of these organs. I combined the organic rice-based protein with organic psyllium husk powder, but I added a, a extra glycine, which is needed for specific detox pathways. Now, if you listen to my show on Detox Lies, you'll learn all about the actual proven pathways of detoxification. And detox during the stress of infection can be very much reduced, so we need to Modify it. I almost said boost it. If it is low, then yes, we have to boost it, but we want to use that semantically correct term, immune modulation. Now, I have found that combining organic rice protein with uh, broccoli sprout concentrate and onion extract along with uh, tomatoes, carrots, spinach, kale, Brussels sprouts, threw some bentonite in there. We need glutamine to clean up the dead and dying cells in the gut 
All of this, in addition to more NAC, uh, green tea extract, I put rosemary in there, and a few other things. We will find that all in Detox 5. We don't want to be taking 50,000 different nutrients when we're sick during the winter. So I put them all together there. Now, let's talk about the other detox products. Now, by the way, I should mention, just because I called them detox, doesn't mean they're going to create some strong, symptomatic Herxheimer reaction detox. Uh, the dose ranges that I'm talking about now, which are not specifically for any of, of you listeners, these are just doses I found have worked uh, with, with patients of mine, uh, is that it must all be individually based. So if you take Detox 5, one, uh, let's say two scoops, which is one drink, which is 15 grams of protein, and after a few days, you're not feeling better, go to a maximum of, of two drinks per day, each drink containing two scoops of Detox 5, which is 30 grams of protein. That's in addition to your diet. Now, my other products, Detox 1 through 4, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, have different colors because of, of how I emphasize different uh, plants and uh, uh, fruits and vegetables. Now, given that, and since I don't know anyone here that is simply listening, I generally will, will suggest that a person begins with a half of a tiny scoop of all of the Detox 1 through 4 products. The maximum dose I usually put a person on is one full scoop twice per day. Now again, this is not going to cause adverse symptoms or dying off of bacteria. The only symptoms a person may or may not get when they increase a superfood like Detox 1 through 4 is maybe a little gas, possibly a little cramping, maybe even a bit of loose stool, but that should go away in uh, you know, a few hours or a few days. And if it doesn't, then just reduce the dose. But a half a scoop of each, all mixed together in water, diluted to taste, is how we want to do things. Let me tell you a little bit about Detox 1 and some of the things in there that are meant to work synergistically together. I don't think it's a good idea to invest your time and efforts to boost your immunity with just one quick fix because it usually doesn't work. We wouldn't want to invest for our retirement in one stock. We want to diversify, right? Now, Detox 1 contains a proprietary blend of green tea extract and grapeseed extract, apple, blueberry, cranberry, broccoli, kale. I've got orange in there, prune, raspberry, spinach, strawberry, flaxseed, and then something called arabinogalactin, which is from the larch tree. And I use the extract, about 200 milligrams in there. That's super important as an immune modulation uh, compound. There's a lot, there's a big white paper written on this. It's amazing. And, and we want to use that all synergistically. In addition, I'm a big fan of the use of uh, inositol. You don't generally think of inositol when you think of immunity, but uh, soon on my blog, I'll be posting a, a blog entry on the use of inositol for immunity. And dimethylglycine or DMG, hydrochloride, about 100 milligrams of that is in my Detox 1 product. That is a very potent antioxidant. Many studies on detoxification and immune modulation. What we're trying to do here is cover our bases, not to rely on one, two, three, or four, or even 10 things. But to seriously modify immunity, in my opinion, it's necessary to have a large variety, for example, of fruits and vegetables. We all agree with that. So these are concentrates of that. They're not to replace your fruits and vegetables. In fact, when I do my fresh juicing in the morning, I put my detox one through five right in that. 
I mean, that is one major uh, hit to the immune system in a good way. It's always important to have a good amount of grapeseed extract and bilberry extract, along with acetyl L-carnitine, a really important active form of protein for immune modulation. Milk thistle, of course, as well. So I've spent a lot of time combining all these things. You can, again, read more about them on the blooddetective.com website. Let's move on to the next pick. Now, this particular choice of mine might surprise you a little bit. And because it's enzymes, you know, you don't generally hear about enzymes uh, when we're talking about immune modulation, but I'll tell you why. First of all, for those of us that are 50 and older, and I'm nearly 51, uh, normal, the normal process of aging, and it could be delayed, of course, but we tend to produce less and less stomach acid. And sometimes our pancreas, which produces uh, protein, fat, and starch digesting enzymes, also gets a bit fatigued. But certainly, achlorhydria, which is a fancy term for no stomach acid, or hypochlorhydria, which is lower than normal levels of stomach acid, are a factor in immunity. When you eat foods that have bacteria on it, for example, may even contain viruses and other types of infectious organisms, uh, they'll make their way into your stomach. And if you don't have normal stomach acids, uh, then these organisms can get uh, deeper into the body tissues. And in the very same way, if some of those organisms get deeper into your digestive tract, into your small intestine, and if your pancreas cannot secrete those protein, starch, and fat-digesting enzymes into the small intestine, then once again, those organisms start to grow and replicate, causing all kinds of leaky gut problems. We've all heard of that. Remember, leaky gut is not a cause of itself. It's not a diagnosis. It's just a description. So many different things can cause a breakdown of the small intestine and an increased porosity or little holes in that inflammation causing the gut. And then all these toxic products in your gut leak out. And then they can get into your bloodstream, uh, having your immune systems go crazy. So it's important to plug up the gut. Now, here's why stomach acid and enzymes, which I started this conversation about, are so important when uh, in the winter. Because the winter is a stress on most of our bodies. And we only have so many metabolic enzymes to manage our uh, health and immune response during the winter. So it's a good idea to take some extra enzymes, as long as you don't have any other health problems like ulcers, for example, that might uh, certainly be potentially worsened by the intake of enzymes. And, you know, because of our hectic lifestyles and the way we often consume food that's frequently either overcooked, digestion, said another way, is just not optimal. So we could, even though we're not, we might not experience the classic symptoms of enzyme deficiency, we might even not be deficient in enzymes, we just might need more. Uh, we, might have, we might not have gas or cramping or diarrhea, constipation, all those things. But we might find that it takes us longer and longer to get over any infection. Now there is a book called Enzyme Therapy that talks about how the body has a finite number of uh, enzymes for digestion and metabolism overall in the body. And if we're stressed, if our metabolic enzymes are stressed due to an infection during the winter time or any other time, the body sort of steals its enzyme uh, focus from the digestive tract to the rest of the body. That's, that makes sense. And the opposite's also true. Now, the only problem with Dr. Howell's book, Enzyme Therapy, is it has a lot of wrong information uh, about digestion, uh, so I don't suggest you actually read it, but this enzyme-stealing effect 
is very interesting and I've clinically, it does seem to be true. So uh, if you were to start taking, when you eat your meal, one, two, three times per day, one single combination enzyme, which I call detox absorb enzyme complex, you will be delivering extra enzymes into your, into your body. They'll make their way into your small intestine and they help improve digestion. Now we know that enzymes work and, uh, and we know they work because they're even used in traditional medicine, not as much as they used to be because medications have taken their place, but uh, even in conditions as severe as cystic fibrosis or various conditions associated with pancreatic fatigue, enzymes are given. And when you take enzymes, the thought is that it can allow your enzyme-producing organs like your pancreas to repair and recover. And then over a period of time, you remove the enzymes. Or, again, for those of us over 50, extra enzymes are always a good thing. I shouldn't say always, but they're, they're often a good thing. So I'll usually have someone start with one of my detox absorb enzyme combinations uh, during the course of their meal. You take a couple of bites, then you, you take one enzyme, three meals a day, and a meal is the equivalent of about a handful of food. And then the next day, you want to double it to two, three times per day, and the next day, three, three times per day. So you can start out with one, three times a day. Try uh, even as high as three, three times a day if you're overweight, for example, or you've had other digestive problems, and that should be a reasonable dose. Let's talk about the next immune modulator for more immediate immune responses now. Now this next pick is probably gonna blow you away because you just don't hear it. So as your own personal blood detective, we wanna know about the things that really work and can work within a very short period of time. And one of them is active folate. And active folate is a special form of folic acid. Here comes the big name, it's called methyl tetrahydrofolate. Now, I tend to like to start with a thousand micrograms of a form of folate known as L-methylfolate. Now, regular folic acid is not my choice. It's gotta be the active form. It doesn't matter too, in my opinion, if your blood levels of folic acid are normal. Now, for those of you that have listened to my prior show, Vitamin Lies, when I talk about lab testing and nutrient levels, most of the vitamin levels are just representing the last two or three days of intake. So, of course, if there's a deficiency on your blood, that's certainly a problem. But if your blood shows that you're sufficient or you're told it's normal, well, if we want to uh, run a race or lift weights or something, we might need more than normal nutrition. The same thing for supplementation. Now, you want the active folic acid, the one that I'm uh, describing to you, uh, whether you uh, go to the blood detective website or somewhere else, you want that active form so your liver and, and digestive physiology does not stress out uh, during winter because it's already stressed out to activate it. That's not what you want. So I start with a thousand micrograms of folic acid and the reason that helps immunity is that various studies have shown that when there's folic acid issues with a person, the intestinal tracts cells, uh, they're held together by what are called tight junctions, very tight between the cells. So picture a tube, which is your small intestine, which has, as I said earlier, 70% of your immune system, and those tight junctions, they become less tight. And all these other chemical issues uh, come about, and then when that junction becomes less tight, when folic acid deficiency or insufficiency is there, that we have impaired intestinal immunity.
Also, antioxidant needs skyrocket, not to mention all the other health issues that may arise from a leaky gut. So very, very important to take the active folic acid. And along with that, I never have a person take folic acid without them also taking the activated or methylated form of B12. And I tend to gravitate towards a sublingual form of B12. Uh, you'll also find that on my site too. So a B12 sublingual, I'll start with a thousand micrograms. The reason why you want to use folic acid and B12 together is if you take one without the other in the wrong ratio, you can induce deficiencies and some of the issues can affect your central nervous system and the nerves that go into your arms and, and legs, for example, causing what are known as neuropathies. And these neuropathies that can be induced by deficiencies of B12, for example, they're, they're not even reversible. So it's very important to combine these nutrients together. You know, perhaps I'll do a show, the ABCs of nutrition, where I can talk about all the different effects of B12 and folic acid beyond immunity. There are so many. So we'll look forward to uh, doing that show sometime very soon. Let's move on to my next pick. My next pick is vitamin C, but not just any vitamin C. And for those of you that are starting to check out mentally by saying, hey, I'm already taking vitamin C, you have to realize that any stress, including the stress of winter and being exposed to all these viruses and, and bacteria, they wear down our vitamin C levels. And even if you consume the recommended daily allowance or more than that, or you take 1,000 milligrams a day or 2,000 or 3,000, you know, a lot is relative to need. And there is a term known as orthomolecular dose, which means optimal dose. And I use something called a vitamin C flush technique, which again, I must give you a disclaimer, do not do this at home unless you have the supervision of a trained healthcare professional. But I'll use my detox eliminate buffered vitamin C, which I've combined with alkaline minerals. Because during the stress of winter and breakdown and all the metabolic changes your body goes through, acid products may be formed. And acid lowers the blood pH slightly. Not every time, but the potential is there. Now look, I'm not talking about saliva and urine pH. Those are not reliable at all to let us know what blood pH is. The blood pH should be very, very stable. And again, I did a show called pH Lies. If you really want to understand pH, which is acid-base balance in the body, you have to listen to that show. So, <clears throat> as I was saying, during the winter time and during stress, even the stress that uh, comes with being successful uh, against not getting infections and things of that nature, patients will say to me sometimes, yeah, Dr. Wald, all my friends around me are sick, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I check their vitamin C levels in their urine and I can't find any. You might say, what, is, what does the urine have to do with it? Well, imagine this. If you take vitamin C, think of it sort of filling you up from your feet all the way up to the top of your head. If you saturate your body, saturate every cell in your body with vitamin C, you'll only know you've done that to your body's tolerance when vitamin C spills out into the urine. So that's a, that's a fair analogy. So when I check vitamin C in the urine, I need to see it present. If it's not present, my assumption is the person isn't adequately managed. Now, just because a person hasn't had symptoms doesn't mean that their vitamin C levels are normal. They could be high in the blood, in the body, but unless I see it in the urine, I am not satisfied. So I have my patients do what I call a vitamin C flush. I instruct them that they need to stay home for three or four hours and they need to take a level teaspoon of detox eliminate, which is buffered C with alkaline minerals, 
diluted in two to three ounces of water every 30 minutes until they start to get a rumbling in their gut and some possibly a little bit of gas, but they should get a very loose stool or diarrhea. Now at that point, that is tolerance. I have the person stop what they're doing and let me know. And then I confirm for them that the amount of vitamin C that they probably need is two-thirds of the amount that caused the diarrhea taken two to three times per day. Okay, for those of you with questions about that, email me at info at blooddetective.com. So it's not the same thing for someone to take ascorbic acid. Uh, we want to use, in my opinion, an alkaline uh, and highly buffered uh, vitamin C. Not all products are the same. Let's move on to the next pick. So let's talk about probiotics. Now, most of us know that probiotics are important for gut function. And when we talk about gut function, we're really talking about well, one of the aspects of healthy gut function is the intestinal barrier integrity. It is a, it's a prerequisite for homeostasis. If you don't have a nice tight barrier of cells in the intestinal tract, it affects what's known as mucosal function. The mucosa there has all these immune modifiers like immunoglobin A's, which are part of the humoral immune system and other things. So it's very important to modify that mucosal barrier. And that's, of course, essential for absorption of nutrition. And if we have malabsorptive issues, then we're going to be predisposed to infections that are opportunistic. Remember, if the opportunity is there, once you have exposure, you're probably going to get the infection or the disease. And probiotics help that mucosal barrier so that it can maintain itself against chemical uh, and, and microbial challenges. Those are those infectious agents. So there's various types of probiotics. I use a pharmaceutical grade mixture of probiotics, which I call Detox Colonize SI. Detox Colonize SI. Now, just a few moments ago, I mentioned of, uh, that there's something known as immunoglobin A's, which are found in the mucosal membrane of the small intestine and elsewhere in the body, like the respiratory tract, which explains why many people with gut issues also tend to have respiratory issues because the immunoglobin defense system might be depleted. And if it's depleted in one place, it's usually depleted in other places. And probiotic mixtures have been studied to, number one, maintain the gastrointestinal balance of healthy bugs, push out and prevent from overgrowing unhealthy bugs, and the probiotic increases the intestinal's ability to increase immunoglobin A, and that enhances what's known as gut immunity. It also is, you know, we, common sense tells us that probiotics support bowel regularity and the digestion and absorption of various micronutrients, all things that we must have for immunity. Now, there is no single probiotic that I prefer. There are several forms of lactobacillus and what are known as bifidobacterium bacteria, saccharomyces that I mix together. I'll generally start a patient off with one capsule of this product three times per day. And if they're real sick, I'll give them two capsules twice a day. And it's best to take probiotics with a protein. Another 
what we call clinical pearl in healthcare, a super important detail that you just do not hear about. Studies have shown, and my experience has demonstrated, that if you take probiotics with a protein, any protein, its yield, its ability to work might be doubled. Now, if you're taking antibiotics already, you want to take your probiotics about an hour before and or after your antibiotic. Now, not every antibiotic will kill off your probiotic, but that's a very complicated conversation to have. So, in short, and to be on the safe side, you take your probiotic combination, uh, again, I use my Detox Colonize SI Superbug mixture of, of uh, healthy bacteria one hour or more before or after an antibiotic. It's very important that you repopulate your intestine with healthy fungal organisms known as Saccharomyces boulardii and also the healthy bacterial organisms that you can find on my description sheet at blooddetective.com. You just have to search the detox products and go to Detox Colonize SI. It describes uh, all of this, uh, a lot of, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of the science be behind the ingredients uh, in this product. And I will also, if someone is on antibiotics, I'll put them on the probiotic that we just spoke about in the way we just spoke about it with food. And I'll also uh, give them additional Saccharomyces boulardii, which you can find at blooddetective.com too, for extra uh, antifungal prophylaxis. Lots of studies show that Saccharomyces boulardii really, really works. Even when people have some very, very severe life-threatening infections, like C. difficile infection that kills hundreds of thousands of people. And the reason why we want to put the healthy bacteria and the healthy fungal organisms in, in the body is, is for all the reasons I've discussed, but to help offset the almost inevitable uh, antibiotic resistance that is now plaguing not just those of us in the United States. This is a worldwide epidemic problem. And it's a problem that scientists have very little tools to fight against. They're just making, they're trying to make smarter antibiotics to kind of scoot around this issue. And if that does happen, I don't think it'll be in our lifetime. So it's it's important, again, as as your own personal blood detective to take preemptive steps, making sure your nutrition is really great, eliminating the sugar, the refined processed carbohydrates, don't have fried foods, don't have trans fats, eat organically whenever you reasonably can, and it's my belief to take nutritional supplements along with diet. The show just before this was entitled How Nutrition Works, and I discuss all of these factors in a bit more detail, so I'll leave you to, to listen to that show. In terms of the dose of Saccharomyces boulardii, I start with just one capsule per day. That, that is pretty good as long as you, would have, you don't have a life-threatening condition like C. difficile. But Saccharomyces boulardii has also been shown in many, many well-done scientific studies to create improvements in all the inflammatory bowel autoimmune diseases like Crohn's disease, uh, ulcerative colitis, and proctitis. So really important. And with Saccharomyces, I like that with uh, protein as well. I described in detail in my uh, Cancer and Nutrition show the importance of nutritional synergism. Again, it's all in the semantics. So that term refers to 
an intelligent evidence-based combination of different nutritional compounds in their natural forms that work together. If you combine many synergies together, generally speaking, they work well together, reducing the dose needed for an individual. And since there are, there's so much evidence for the role of a variety of uh, nutritional compounds for immunity, I chose to put uh, several of them that are particular favorites of mine uh, mixed within one product, which I call Immune Balance. I'll just tell you a little bit about the components of this. Uh, first, I have agallic acid in there, E-L-L-A-G-I-C, agallic acid. Now, that's a plant flavonoid agallic acid form medical herb, and that's been studied for its favorable effects upon the course of a variety uh, of infections. Now, I've read studies where they've used this uh, and shown it uh, to extremely modify the expression of if you didn't hear that, it was HIV virus you cut out for a minute, and also hepatitis B. If it works for those infections, it might help for others. Again, none of the nutrition that I'm speaking about or these methods are a replacement for the standard of care in medicine for infections, but let's face the reality, many of us don't want to run to antibiotics or antiviral medications. So we're talking about the nutrition that works adjunctively with an optimal diet, a balanced healthy diet, and or working with medications if you're in a situation where you must use them. I've also included pine bark in this mixture, which can affect the immune system, several very important parameters of the immune system, along with a red raspberry and lycopene. And the usual dose that I start my patients on are two capsules twice a day with food. Another a combination a nutrient that I offer, I call mineral complete. We all know about the effects of zinc upon various immune parameters. Uh, zinc is an immune modulator and it helps uh, lymphocytes and neutrophils work much better. It helps them uh, live to their full potential. We need zinc, of course, for all forms of tissue repair. And very importantly, zinc's required for nearly 200 different enzyme systems in the body. And here's another little tidbit. Vitamin C is required for nearly 3,000, it's thought. Magnesium, about 500. But I do not prefer to use zinc alone. I'm a, a person that believes in synergism. So I combine zinc along with a variety of other uh, minerals that are known to work better together. And not just minerals, a few vitamins as well. But speaking about the minerals in zinc, we don't need a huge amount of zinc because Taking too much zinc, and this is important to hear, too much zinc does cause immune deficiency, which is very adverse. That's bad. But just the right amount of zinc improves or modulates immunity. If it's taken with other minerals like calcium and other synergists like iodine, selenium, a little bit of chelated copper and manganese, chromium, molybdenum, potassium, chloride, also boron, uh, bromium, all of those I've put into the mineral complete. And I've added a vitamin D, uh, about 400 I use because vitamin D is a very potent immune modulator. The dose of uh, my mineral complete is one twice per day with food for the average person that I tend to see. 
Now, in vitamin D, we know is, is a very, very popular nutrient, and, and, and it should be. There is virtually no area of healthcare that has not heard of the potential benefits for vitamin D. And those benefits are not just for those who are outright deficient, but a person may be insufficient. So I've talked on my very uh, first show uh, where I, I talked about the nutritional and medical interpretation of blood work, that the range of vitamin C is between 30 and 100 at the high end. Now, many physicians will tell a person when they have a vitamin D level at 35 that they don't need to take vitamin D and they're not optimal. But study a study called a meta-analysis which looked at all the appropriate of vitamin D's uh, studies that were done correctly shown that the, the optimal dose is about 70. Now, vitamin D3 is the most important of all the forms of vitamin D. I like to have the blood levels at least 70, between 70 and about a 90. For those of you worried about vitamin D toxicity, well, then you have to work with someone who can draw your blood. Um, I have never seen that in all of my 26 years of practice, but of course it can happen. But if you have the right um, uh, supervision, uh, th that is just not, it's not likely going to happen. And if it does, uh, the way that you know you have a vitamin D toxicity is upon retesting, your vitamin D level may be high, but that doesn't imply that you have toxicity, although you should lower your dose of D slightly to get it in the optimal part of that range, the upper end of the normal. Because the higher normal, I'm going to say it again, the higher normal your vitamin D level, the lower your overall morbidity and mortality from any cause whatsoever. So the average vitamin D is 50. If you are exposed to more than average stress during the winter, you have health issues, for example, you want to get that vitamin D between 70 and the upper end of the range at about 90. The other way you know if you're taking too much vitamin D is it will tend to cause a condition known as hypercalcemia. So you would know that on your blood work, your, your calcium level would be elevated. You just stop taking your vitamin D, your calcium will go right down. And then you start your vitamin D again, but at a lower dose. Some people get a little reflux because uh, more, vitamin, more calcium in the, uh, the blood could cause some a spasm of the esophagus, causing some reflux. You might get uh, charley horses. You might cramp easily. So it's important to you know, know uh, something about the side effects of what you're taking. But again, you want to work with someone who knows what they're doing so you don't imagine side effects and connect the wrong things and play around too much, especially if you want immunity now. There are studies that show that vitamin D is antiviral. There are studies that show that vitamin D is anti-infectious. Plus, number one, it's not a vitamin. It's a pro-hormone. The name was just never changed. When they first discovered it, they thought mistakenly it was a vitamin. So it's very important to work with other hormones because uh, immunity can be adversely affected when we are exposed to, let's say, the stress of cold or viruses. Our cortisol levels might go up. That stresses our body. It helps break down a lean organ mass. It increases our nutritional requirements. Vitamin D may mitigate some of those things, but generally not by itself. As I said earlier, we at least have to have, have, to have that adequate protein. So I suppose the last word on vitamin D right now is that uh, you, you should not be fooled into thinking that just because you've been taking vitamin D, you have the right amount. And many of you that have had your blood levels checked and told it was low, and then you were told either, number one, take some vitamin D, which is completely adequate, uh, inadequate advice, I should say. How much? 
Then some doctors will say take 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000. Some have even said 10,000. And then they don't follow up with you. So you must check your blood work once you've started to take vitamin D, particularly if it's less than 30 on the blood tests. Hopefully your doctor uh, recommended to you to take 50,000 IUs of vitamin D once a week for anywhere between four and eight weeks. And sometimes it's as high as 100,000 uh, once a week for four to eight weeks, then your blood work is checked again. And then you're generally put on a lower level of vitamin D that helps keep you in that optimal range between 70 and 90. And for those of you that still cannot believe that I'm talking about 50,000 and 100,000 dosing, that's very standard, even in medical practice. And what I mean by that is if they know it, you know, uh, that's pretty good. So uh, we just have to, we can't just ask our doctors for tests. We need to know about how to follow up with them. And vitamin D, though, is part of the fat-soluble vitamin family. So you really do need to check your labs from time to time uh, so that you know you've optimized your D and you're not taking too much because a person may not have symptoms. They might not have hypercalcemia and cramping. Uh, not to mention the, your liver enzymes on blood work, they might increase as well. And they, again, uh, will go back to normal almost always when you stop taking the D and then you start on a smaller dose. So vitamin D, if you take too much, and this is true of pretty much all of the fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, uh, vitamin K, vitamin E, they can cause what's called a vitamin-induced hepatitis or an inflammation of the liver. So you can have an inflammation of the liver caused by various uh, fat-soluble vitamins. The water-soluble vitamins like the B vitamin family do not do that because they're not overstored in the liver potentially. So enough about vitamin D. Now, this next one is, uh, again, one of my favorites, and it's relatively unknown, and that's the use of milk thistle. But we're talking about milk thistle for the immune system and also the nervous system, not just as a liver protectant or detoxification agent, which most of you probably do know. But there have been studies that show that milk thistle and its active ingredient, uh, Salibum marianum, and the milk thistle extract have a very potent enhancement effect on the immune system itself. Now, lots of herbs are coming down the pipe and have been used for, for decades uh, for immune modulation, but it's very, very interesting uh, with milk thistle because there's been some serious study uh, showing that there is a very clear immunostimulatory effect. So when a person has a, a low immune system, it can increase immunity. For real, you can measure this. And studies have shown that that will, of course, benefit the immune response to infectious disease overall. So I tend to start with 150 milligrams of milk thistle extract, and I make sure that it's standardized to contain 80% of the flavonoid silymarin. Now, in terms of starting dose, and I like to give this with food, I'll have people take two of them three times a day, ideally. Now, once again, no one nutrient out of contact with a healthy diet is going to do the trick. And also, I cannot claim that nutrients are a substitute for the standard of medical care for any kind of infection. But milk thistle is the real deal. 
They've done studies where they've pre-treated animals with milk thistle and they've given them toxic mushrooms. And those animals that did not get the milk thistle died of the liver toxic effects. I mean, this is very potent stuff and also relatively safe. Now, most of us have heard about the wonderful potential health benefits of increasing raspberries in our diet. So I've got something called Keto Raspberry Supreme, and it's got a combination of a variety of raspberries. Now, I'm looking right now at a research article in the journal Cancer Immunology Research, and in 2016, they talked about the consumption of raspberries and how uh, raspberries uh, inhibited the development of esophageal cancer. Now, a lot of esophageal cancer actually is induced by viruses like herpes viruses. Not all, but a good amount. So we know that raspberries will alter the immune response and it's that anthocyanins, that active metabolite and some other synergistic metabolites which are very complex names, uh, so I won't repeat them here now, but this uh, inhibits viruses, and one of the ways it does that is it activates what's called natural killer cells and CD8 T cells. So these studies are fascinating. So we know that various ingredients and in different types of raspberries can alter cytokine expression, which is what I talked about earlier in the show, something important for the humoral immunity. And also another part of the immune uh, function that we have against different infectious agents known as innate immune cell trafficking. And, and again, this has been studied in inhibiting tumor tissues as well. So that, that's, that's a big deal. That is a huge deal. Since the raspberry combination that I have, the uh, Keto Raspberry Supreme, is uh, basically uh, just a concentration, a freeze-dried concentration of raspberries, it can be taken with or without food. And I tend to start people on one or two of them twice a day. If they're really not sick or they know they're exposed to sick people, I bump up the dose to two, three times a day. And the reason why overall it's probably best to take nutrients three times a day, although it's very inconvenient has to do with what's known as the half-life of the nutrients. When you take these nutrients, levels drop, but you want them to be consistent throughout the course of the day. So, although I didn't mention certain dietary com components, just to trans, uh, transgress for a moment uh, during the show, this wasn't a heavily focused uh, program on the diet, but obviously we, we want those organic foods, vegetables, you want to eat lower down the food chain. And I have about 12 or 13 other key points for general health and well-being you can find on my blog. Just search Healthy Diet Basics. Now, the next show coming up, I'm really excited about. It's all about the nervous system. The nervous system controls everything in the body. Without a nervous system, we can't get the juice to the immune cells in our small intestine. We can't get the, the juice to the liver, to the spleen, the bone marrow. Everything relies upon the immune system and, of course, I mean the nervous system, and the nervous system gets feedback from every other organ. But there's some very interesting ways nutritionally speaking, to offset the onset of neurologic diseases and diseases or dysfunctions, whether we're talking about, about minimal brain atrophy, that's an interesting one, the special needs conditions across the spectrums, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, neurologic disease, just the atrophy of the nervous system over the course of our lives. This is what I'll be discussing on the next show that I'm calling your nervous system and you.
So for those of you that have questions or comments about the show, please do post them uh, on my blog found at the website www.integratednutritionny.com. You can email me at info at blooddetective.com and you can call if you'd like to work with me my office in Westchester, that's about an hour north of New York City, by Metro North or CAR at 914-242-8844. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. I take it very, very seriously. You can be doing so many other things, and I'll see you in a week. Have a great day, everyone. I've done.